This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is happening, gang? We are live on the Inside Football Podcast with Bill Pulling. In today's episode, we got a super-duper fun show. Bill was intimately involved in the 2022 coaching hiring process in the NFL working with the Bears. And so what we wanted to do was be able to pick his brain about some of the candidates and go through each team who landed a new head coach and talk through the fit and what to expect. But before we dive into that, I want to take a minute and talk about one of our favorite sponsors on the pod, Bet Online. Football might be over this season, but basketball is full steam for both pro and college hoops from all the latest odds totals player performance props to where the next fire coach is gonna land bet online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs so what are you waiting for head over to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use promo code believe b-l-e-a-v to get started and it's not just basketball bet online is your source for hockey boxing and ufc odds right to your favorite olympic coverage is the best in the business from sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games bet online is the number one wagering destination bet online the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games bet online where the game starts all right guys this is our look at the coaching candidates in 2022 and where they landed on the inside football podcast with Bill Polian. All right, gang, what is happening? We are live on a gloomy day in February, but the sun might be shining bright on a few franchises in the NFL as we are going to give our look at some of the coaching hires that happened in the offseason. How are we doing today, guys? Good, thank you. Yes, we're good. We're good. So, Bill, let me, let me, uh, let's, let's sort of set the stage here as, as you do so well. Let's start with um, how do you know when you have to fire? A head coach. I mean, other than you can't fire the whole team, so you just do it. I mean, what what's the when do you make that tough call? What what what's the main identifier? You usually start um, ruminating about it around Thanksgiving if the season's gone bad. There's three reasons to fire a coach. One, his body of work over a reasonable period of time, four to five years, isn't good enough. You haven't made progress. Uh, two. You, you don't see enough progress, meaning you might have gone from two and 14 to nine and seven, but you haven't made the playoffs yet. And, and, the, and the, the window to make the playoffs might be closing. And then three, if he's lost the team, meaning the team is not disciplined, it's not hustling, it's not playing hard, it's not doing those kinds of things. Um, absent, absent those three things, it's probably uh, – not wise to consider making a choice, although people do every day in an football league. Yeah. As you're looking, you know, because there's obviously been a lot for many different reasons discussed about qualifications here, 
And, and we've talked about in the past, you know, you know, the, they're talking about the idea of getting more people into coordinator positions and that'll get them into head coaching positions. But we've also talked a lot in the past about being a great coordinator doesn't necessarily make you a good head coach because a lot of the job requirements are different. Could you just give us the, the brief poll in on what one looks for, not from an X's and O's standpoint, but, you know, character uh, and, and so on that that makes leadership, that, that makes somebody a head coach as opposed to a great coordinator or assistant? Well, first and foremost, X's and O's plays a big part in it. System of football, philosophy of football plays a huge part in it. And that's what the media misses because they don't know they don't and don't understand uh, football philosophy and X's and O's. Um, that the same is true of so-called outside experts who weigh in on whether or not this man should have been hired or that man should have been hired. Um, so, uh, you know, all of that, the, the, the easy stuff is, is character, communication, all of that kind of thing. This is stuff that everybody talks about. The hidden stuff is how you operate the team. And that starts with football philosophy. It starts with the staff that you hire, the coordinators that you hire. It starts with the system of football that you want to uh, that you want to institute. And as you go through the in- interview process, interviewers want to know: Well, what are you going to do with the talent that we have here? You're going to tear the team down, or are you going to uh, adjust? what you do to the talent we have that's a that's a huge question and if the if the, the answer to the to the second question is no i'm not going to adjust they're going to have to do learn my system you, you may be talking to the wrong guy because for example you could have a quarterback who doesn't have the skill set or the wherewithal to to operate a certain system and and if that's the case that person's disqualified now that's very different what I've just described is very different than, than being a coordinator. In a, in a coordinator's case, the only thing that you do is command one room, your side of the ball. You, you game plan for one group, your side of the ball. You focus on player development and selection on one side of the ball. And then on game day, if you're the play caller, you orchestrate the play calls but you don't make the strategic decisions, punt or, or go for it, field goal or touchdown, uh, clock management. You don't do any of that. Mm-hmm. The head coach does that. So, you know, why do we automatically assume? When I say we, I mean the football community at large, which includes the media uh, and fans. Why do we automatically assume that you have to be a coordinator before you can be a head coach? Because 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 somebody said yeah okay not because there's any validity to it because someone said because if that was the case special teams coordinators would be considered every year because they meet all the criteria that i just spoke about right right yep and we've had two that i believe are have become head coaches one by accident rich pisacci who did a great job with the uh with the raiders as the interim head coach and was not considered for the head coaching job and uh, and 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 Frank Gans many many years ago. Yeah. So the the bottom line is the the ability to lead has to do with competence. You know, if you if you have 
the greatest communication skills in the world. You took the greatest communicator in the world, whoever it might be, Ronald Reagan, let's say, the great communicator, and you put him up there in front of the team every week. He'd be 0-16. (laughs) (laughs) He couldn't convince the players that he knew how to win. You'd have to say, get it for the Gipper. That's his job. Yeah. yeah, that only works once. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Right? Right. So you have to have competence. Yeah. You have to have football competence. You cannot take th- this idea that the head coach is the CEO. Baloney, you cannot transplant the CEO of any major Fortune 500 company into a locker room, into a meeting room, onto a practice field and have him be successful. You have to have competence any more than you could take a great communicator and a great motivator, put him in a uniform and have him command troops in the field. You have to have competence. Or a comedian. (laughs) Or a comedian. Or a comedian. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Either intentionally or unintentionally. And we've had numerous examples. The most recent being Detroit where people came over from the business world, high executives in the business world, and they create dumpster fires overnight yeah. because they haven't the vaguest idea what the hell they're doing. So that brings me to the, oh, I would throw in John Harbaugh as a former special teams coach who made it. Yes. He had been a defensive backfield coach, by the way, before he became a head coach. So, let, so let's take that and go sort of the other way. What's your, what is your take these days, and it's going to vary person to person, case to case. But how do you feel about a, a head coach also coming in and, and, in essence, if not being the coordinator, really being the play caller? I mean, is and focusing so much because you've described the whole other set of duties at another level that a head coach has. How do you feel about make, having one guy do both things? Is that too much? Are you are you letting? Are you going to necessarily? have to um, do not quite as good a job on one of those two skills, or do you think it makes sense sometimes? For new head coaches, first-time head coaches, I would advise against it. Um, but most of them most of them want to try it, and then usually six to eight games in, they say, whoa, 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 hold it, wait a minute. Or the GM goes down and knocks on the door and says, hold it, wait a minute. <laughs> right, right. You know, we got perfectly competent people here that can call the game. You need to focus on X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Which, which, by the way, I I I, I touched only on the, the broadest possible brushstrokes. Uh, my 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 uh, requirements for head coaching position run fourteen page single yeah. space Oxford outline style. Yeah. So, you know, there's a hell of a lot more to it than we just covered here. Yeah, and uh, I, I I think they worked. So whatever, I, I, I know you got hired by the Bears, but maybe you should get hired by the whole league to, uh, to, to do that. No, that. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's funny because obviously with what we were just talking about, about this, this uh, um, feeling that's out there in the, in the football ether that you got to get a coordinator. So the guy who comes in as the coordinator and is used to calling the plays and is the new guy who's never been a head coach, as you said, he's probably the most likely guy to try to do two jobs at once, and he's the least well set up to do that. So, you know, there's a lot of I, – I, I think what you just said has a lot of truth, and I, I hope some teams listen to you. So – It is it – is, it, let me just add this. The first year for a new head coach 
is just as rough and rocky. By, by that, I mean a man who's not been a head coach before. is just in, as rough and rocky as it is for a rookie player. It, the, the only thing that's different is that if the man has come in from the NFL, he knows what the NFL is all about. Coming in from college, it's almost impossible to do because the, the two games are so radically different. But And the environment's radically different. And the players are radically different. But at the end of the first year, every, every coach who's ever been a, a rookie head coach will sit down and tell you, man, oh, man. Yeah. I made so many mistakes my first year. I'm going to change this. I'm going to change that, including the staff, by the way. The staff that he thought perhaps was the dream team, he figures out there's a hole here. This guy can't work with that guy. This guy's not philosophy isn't what I thought it was. And, and they make changes after the first year. And that's, that's perfectly okay, perfectly logical, and usually a big step in the right direction. How much of that is a criteria in the interview process in terms of your belief in the coach's ability to attract other top-level coaches to be on his staff? Well, first of all, that, that's, that's, again, overblown media, hot air, garbage. You know, uh, no one except those of us inside the game know who the good assistant coaches are. Media doesn't know. Writers don't know. They hear things. They, 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 they convince themselves of things. It's an echo changer. Uh, a chamber just like it's a circular firing squad when things go bad um but they don't know who the good assistant coaches are the people that know are the scouts that scouted them on the collegiate level many years back um the pro personnel people who do the advance and and look deeply into how the uh individual units play on individual teams um the people that you've seen actually on the grass coach who've been with you or been in other places that, that you've been, it, it's not about reputation uh, or, or, or the me, who the media thinks is a good coach. It, it, it's about, A, competence, B, fit within what the present head coach wants, and C, uh, the ability to teach and motivate. And, uh, and, and, you know, nobody knows that but the people inside the game. So when, when you, you hear, oh, gee, uh, an owner said to me, this particular can't, coach can't put together a good staff. I said, gee, that, that's pretty interesting because he made it to the Super Bowl with a staff that he chose. Uh, and and he also turned around a franchise that hadn't won since the year of the flood. Right. He did it in a year. So I'm surprised. Did he lose the ability to put together a staff overnight? Is that what happened? That's what I was wondering. Oh, he forgot how to coach. Yeah. Peyton Manning – goes out and oh all of a sudden the head coach forgot how to coach you know so all, all of that stuff is 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 nonsense the people inside the business know and uh, and and there are really when you think about it there are the important jobs on a coaching staff are a the coordinator on the opposite side of the ball from where the head coach's expertise is b the quarterback coach c the offensive line coach D, the defensive line coach. E, the special teams coach. Those are the important jobs. Everyone else, you, you can fill in and, and, and find competent people. Right. One of the most competent offensive backfield coaches I've ever been around came in directly from college. Uh, one of the most competent assistant coaches that 
I've ever been around in my whole career, a man named Don Bro coached various different positions throughout his career, some on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the, the names that you hear bandied about in many cases are, are not really the, the names that are appropriate. There you go. All right. Well, Rick, any other sort of process questions? No, Scott, I'm going to, I'm going to turn the con over to you for some drilling down. All right. Well, Bill, hey, uh, you- excuse me one second. Just a, a one, one point. I, yes. I, I did go, I, I, Rick alluded to the fact that I helped the bears in their reaching GM and coaching search. Um, it's interesting when you want to know who the good assistant coaches are. Five coaches gave us the same man as offensive coordinator. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Probably a pretty good indicator. He must be pretty good. Huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how you find out it's good. That is a good, yes. That is, yes. That is not a bad one. And you want to be that guy. You want to be. And we don't make that public, by the way. No, exactly. <laughs> and, and also, not only talk about the guy's competence, but five different people so they could work with that guy, which yeah. really says a lot about the guy. You know, as a person, too. So that that's you, you can't get better than that. You struck a nerve here. Um, when when we were in Kansas City, we had two really phenomenal, three really phenomenal assistant coaches with us. Um, Don Lawrence, who who had been previously been the head coach at the University of Virginia, played with the Redskins, by the way, uh, Scott. Yep. Um, Dick Roach, who had been I. I with Coach Levy all the way back to Montreal um, and, and was a defensive backfield coach. Um, Rod Rust, who was the defensive coordinator, he's a he's a, a bit different from what I'm going to be describing now. Obviously very competent, became a head coach with the New England Patriots and had a stellar reputation. And and Bobby Ross, who was had been the head coach at VMI and uh, and, and was the special teams coach. So um, Bobby quickly uh, 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 ascends to the running back coach position and then gets the opportunity to become um, the head coach, uh, I believe, at Maryland. Maryland, yep. And, uh, and, uh, and does a bang-up job. And then for some reason gets fired and comes back to us in Buffalo as the offensive coordinator for a brief period of time. And then got the opportunity, I, I believe, to go to Georgia Tech as the head coach. And, mm-hmm. and, and Coach Levy let him go, and he won a national championship there. Um, Don and Dick, after we left Kansas City, had caught up in, in, in the treadmill of getting jobs with losing teams, lousy franchises. Tampa Bay, as an example, I forget where Dick went. He, was, he bounced around a couple, three different jobs. And, uh, and and just couldn't get anywhere where they won. He didn't change as a coach, but they just were in revolving door situations because they'd go for a year and get fired, go for two years and get fired, et cetera. Um, so we put the band back together again in Buffalo, and you know what the results were. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Were they good coaches in Kansas City? You bet. We got yeah. fired. Were they, were they good coaches wherever else they went? You bet. That's why they were hired. Were they good coaches in Buffalo? You bet. When we put it all together, you see the results. Yep. Yep. 
All right. Well, hopefully guys will be putting it together. Uh, Bill, you obviously, as you alluded to, we're sort of intimately involved in the process this year. We thought it'd be fun to kind of go through where coaches landed. Where do you want to start? Well, let's start in Jacksonville because I think they, uh, after fits and starts and some mistakes, some glaring mistakes, they ended up with a great guy in Doug Peterson um, because there were uh, a lot of good people on the market this year. Doug will do three things for Jacksonville. First of all, he's an adult. So he'll come in there and there won't be any, and he's a pro. There won't be any uh, nonsense. There won't be any any extraneous stuff that gets in the way of winning football games. Um, he, he, <clears throat> he knows how to win. He knows how to connect with players. He's got incredible emotional intelligence. And the guy he'll connect with most is the most important guy, Trevor Lawrence. Um, He's put together a good staff. Defensively, they're going to make a transition because he's going to a more more, uh, Tampa Bay style of defense. I don't know if they quite have the the people to play that style, so there'll be a transition there. But but he's really good, and he's going to be really good for the quarterback, and that's what they – and he's an adult and an NFL professional, and that's what they needed. So um, they did well there. In, in very much the same vein, uh, Houston uh, elevated Lovey Smith to the head coaching position after fooling around with any number of people. They finally came to their senses and hired Lovey, and he will do the very same thing uh, on uh, for Houston that that Doug will do for um, Jacksonville. Now, in Houston's case, um, that organization had put a team on the field that was incapable of winning. And David Culley won four games with them with a rookie quarterback, Davis Mills. Yeah. So. And they were in a lot of games. And they were in a lot of games. Yes, they were. And uh, and David Culley uh, got fired. They claimed over philosophical reasons. I don't know what those philosophical reasons were. I haven't talked to David. Um, but he moves right to the head of class next year as a potential head coaching candidate for uh, other teams because of the job that he did there mm-hmm. because he won only four games is immaterial. That's a team that should have lost all 17 and they played hard all year. Yep. He developed a rookie quarterback. He did. He did. A, he did a terrific job. I mean, Davis Mills, if right. If you look at those later games, Davis Mills was really coming on. I mean, well, yeah, Bill, do you think the needle was moving? The needle's moving up on Davis Mills. Don't you think a little bit? Yes, it is. I yeah. mean, especially considering, you know, not that much college experience, even he really right. a couple of bad games, but you look <laughs> at those last few games, he really played well. Based on the criteria we've learned on this show, he kind of checked all the boxes David Culley did of what you need to do in that first year. Needle moving up on the quarterback, team plays hard, doesn't lose the team, they keep playing. Do you think that factored into why they finally decided to go with Lovey? Because there would be that same level of consistency from the the prior the prior staff. I don't know. I don't know what their thinking is. I don't know what that. That's run by a guy named Easterby, um, and 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 he's uh, he's he's the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. Right. So we we don't know what his thinking is. He he never appears publicly, and so he's like the Pope. You don't know. Well, the Pope appears on the balcony. That is true. If the Pope does come out on the balcony from time you can to time, see him. He actually has audiences and things like That's that. True. Yeah. So not the Pope. Yes, and I I can tell you that that Jim Harbaugh actually shook hands with him right up there on the podium at one of the mats. So he's out there. Uh, Lovey Lovey's very competent. 
he'll do the same thing. He'll he'll rejuvenate the defense, obviously. And um, it looks like, and, you know, and, and you'd want Davis Mills to grow because they're going to trade um, the, the quarterback who's in trouble. But it looks like they found the guy in the future, Davis Mills. All right, we've been talking about it for weeks, but what is more important than peace of mind? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you the peace of mind while you are online. And with all the threats that you face today on the internet, it's more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-generation encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about slow connection either, and plans start at just under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com believe or use code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. What's up, gang? I am jacked about this new sponsor we have on the show, Athletic Greens. I have been using Athletic Greens for years, and I love the results. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's all also lifestyle friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health today and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. I put it in a smoothie. So I mean, don't feel like you are committed to just putting this into water. You can kind of integrate it into any beverage that you're drinking. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you one free year supply of immunity vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purses. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, athleticgreens.com slash believe to get started today. Quick disclaimer, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. Hey, Bill, can I ask a reverse question just from a coach's perspective? How spooky is it when you see a situation like Houston where they've moved on from a coach that did, from a public perspective, an admirable job in his one year? Did, do you think that affected them on coaches' willingness to want to actually coach in Houston? Or but because there's 32 jobs, you just want to take the job? No. I, well, first of all, there are only 32 head coaching jobs, and they pay a king's ransom. So you, you don't turn it down when you get the opportunity. Uh, as far as assistant coaches are concerned, that's a different story yeah. because, you know, assistant coaches, if given a choice, don't like to, like to go to sinking ships uh, because they, they, they feel that, that they, they don't, uh, you know, they don't have the opportunity uh, to do anything and they're only there for a year and, and in some cases less than a year right. uh, and, and, and they end up getting fired and moving on. So given a choice. Right. They'll, they'll avoid those places. Carolina is another place where, you know, it's, pre, it's perceived that, that coach rule is not going to make it. So it's harder to get assistant coaches in those situations. But as far as head coaching jobs, nobody turns them down. Yeah. 
Um, and and again, you know, assistant coaches. If it, we, we mentioned the four, you know, ter- important positions. After that, you, you can, you know, you're looking for great coaches at every position, but you can find them. They're not hard to find. Um, so uh, again, Houston's a, a huge question mark. We don't know what they're what they're going to be like going forward, and we don't know what what they're going to draft, what they're going to do in free agency. We'll get us. We'll get a little inkling based on what they do in free agency in the draft, and then ultimately the trade of uh, of Watson uh, when it happens. The next one is Oakland, Josh McDaniels, and they uh, came in along with the the uh, GM, who's who is the personnel director in New England. It's a good fit for him and them because I think the owner tends to be hands off. They tend to be you know siloed and. And there's no reason not to be siloed there. So, and they have a quarterback, a very good quarterback, um, although this is the last year of his contract. So if they're going to do anything good, it will be there. And that's a playoff team that played very hard for the previous coach, Rich Passaccia, who stepped in under terrible circumstances a third of the way through the season when John Gruden was fired and did a great job. So. Everything's in their favor there. So they start with the arrow being up and we'll see if they we'll see if they can continue it. And we'll see, as Josh himself said in his press conference, what he's learned between the time that he, 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 there was a dumpster fire in Denver under his watch uh, to, uh, uh, you know, what he's learned during his time in New England since. So, Bill, let me just ask with Las Vegas. Um, I think when you talked about Rich, he did check all the boxes that you talked. I mean, would that be a good example of, okay, I'm not necessarily saying it's a PR thing, but he, I mean, didn't he don't, I felt like he deserved a shot. I mean, I don't, I don't know how he didn't earn that. Well, because the owner didn't want simple as that. But, I, but, but I mean, but he, he didn't fall into any of the criteria that you cited for, this guy has lost the team. This guy can't do the Well, that doesn't matter. I mean, those are my criteria. It's, it's <laughs> owner's own. Jim Fink said the Jim Fink said the following. Jim Fink said the following that should be engraved in, in uh, on a plaque in, in every coach and executive's office everywhere in the National Football League. He said the following: players play, coaches coach, scouts scout, general managers general manage, and owner's own. And that's what they do. They own yeah. and they make the decisions. It's, it's it's good to be the king. Yes, absolutely. And it's good to be unquestioned. So there you are. The only questions you get are from the press or the, or the fans. We move on to Miami with uh, Mike McDaniel. Uh, now he's uh, relatively unknown compared, to, certainly to the public, compared to uh, Doug Peterson, who's won a Super Bowl, Lovey, who's, who's uh, been in a Super Bowl. And, Josh McDaniels, who's been in numerous Super Bowls. Uh, McDaniel was the offensive coordinator for one year with the San Francisco 49ers. So he brings that system of football. Um, I assume he's going to institute, you know, the Shanahan system, the wide zone running game, the play action game, all of those kinds of things. He's a Yale graduate, so he's smart. Um, he He's had a number of, of – of menial jobs. He worked his way up from quality control, uh, uh, a quality control position 
So that's good. He's had a breadth of experience in the league. And, and, and is it some guy that just, you know, flew in overnight from uh, uh, some some place in college where he was a hot shot? He's been around a long time for a relatively young man. So, you know, he, he, he's, he steps into ostensibly a good position, but we don't know how good Tug is going to two is going to be in, in that offense. Um, we don't know how good the defense will be uh, absent coach Flores, who did a great job and we don't know how he's going to relate to the team. So that'll be interesting. That'll be interesting. This will be a very interesting maiden voyage for him. So th- this one has, does this feel like boom or could be bust possibility on this one or no, no, you won't know for you won't know for three years. Even you know you won't even come. In. But by bar, barring some sort of an incredible blow up, you, you won't know for three years whether any of these guys can make it or not. Like Tua should be pretty good on the boot stuff that they do in that offense, though, right? Well, he's left-handed, so that you know that 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 that's that's Steve Young. You know, it gives you it gives you an added advantage that you can do it to the left and. Uh, and, you know, that offense doesn't require great down-the-field throwing, which is not a strong point for Tua. Um, but ultimately, for quarterbacks, the bottom line is how quick do you process, how quick do you get it out. And uh, and we'll see. We'll see. That's one to keep an eye on. McDaniel is a mixed race, and Lovey, of course, is African-American. So we, we, we now have three minority head coaches in the NFL. Uh, so we got two in this cycle, which is, that's good. That's a step in the right direction. Um, in New Orleans, Dennis Allen, as most people in the game expected, uh, has succeeded, uh, Sean Payton. And, uh, you know, first of all, Dennis is highly competent. That defense under Sean Payton, who's an offensive guy, obviously, before Dennis got there was a mess. It was worse than a mess. I think I did the the last game before they made the change. And it was something like 49 to 47 Giants and Saints. I broadcasted for ESPN radio in the dome. Nobody could play defense. Guys were missing tackles, falling down, blowing coverages. It was it was unbelievable. The fans loved it, of course, because it was a high scoring game. Well, a lot of but, those points were in the second half of that game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, nobody nobody played defense at all in the second half. Yeah. It was like the NBA. It was like the, it was like the NBA All Star game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And and, uh, and and but I was aghast because <laughs> you could just the mistakes were so glaring. It's like neither team practiced it for a week or ten days. So anyway, uh, Dennis came in and restored order, and um, and so. Uh, it, overnight, they became a much better defensive football team and have stayed that way. And really, over the last three years, as Drew declined and and then, and now this year has retired, um, it's been the defense that carried the team. So uh, he's proven as a coordinator that he's competent. He's proven that he can call games as a coordinator. He's proven that he can reach the players. He's proven that he knows personnel because he had a loud voice in, in, in who was drafted and, and, and who was, uh, uh, and by loud, I mean important voice, uh, not, not yelling. Dennis is a relatively small, uh, uh, soft-spoken guy. 
Um, but he's a very competent coach. And uh, uh, I don't know that they miss a beat necessarily. they got to solve the quarterback problem. They've got cap issues too, right, Bill? And they do have cap issues, yes. Yes, because they sold out, you know, for the last years of Drew's career. But uh, he's he, 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 he's one who deserved to get, to get the job, and, and, and he did. As we mentioned before, it doesn't always happen that way. Uh, witness David Cully. Um, in Minnesota, Kevin O'Connell comes in. Um, Kevin's a, a bright, young assistant coach. He was a year as the coordinator with the, uh, with the Rams, but did not call plays. Former uh, journeyman backup quarterback, so he's had a lot, a lot of experience in the league. He's um, charismatic. Um, he's a great communicator. Um, there's no question he knows the offensive side of the ball. Um, most people felt he was a year or two away from being ready to be a head coach. Now, I don't know that you're ever ready. Uh, I'm just repeating what people told me, uh, you know, when I, when I asked for, for references. And um, so it, there's probably a little bit of a shakedown cruise for him, but he's been around for so long as a player that, that I think that kind of you, you discount the, quote, ready. Uh, uh, close quote, uh, sort of comment. Uh, obviously, the Vikings thought that he was, and many other people did too, because he got a fair amount of interviews. Um, and he's got, at least for a year, a quarterback to work with him in Kirk Cousins. And he will be the, the antithesis of, 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 of Zinn. And, and that's usually what happens, you know. When, when one style of coach, in, Kate, in Zim's case, uh, you know, defensive-oriented, parcells-oriented, don't turn the ball over, play good defense, stop the run, rush the passer, all that kind of thing. Um, when that doesn't work out, the ownership goes the other way. And that's what they, well, that's what they did here. So, Well, and he has the touch of D.C. offensive coordinator status, which means they'll probably be in the Super Bowl next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With Kirk, it'll be my dream scenario. Kevin O'Connell and Kirk on the grandest stage at Super Bowl Fifty Seven. You buying a seat, Scott? Uh, no. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, rookie head coach, he'll go through some growing pains. They too have cap problems, and they got a problem next year with uh, Cousins. Uh, his contract will will uh, expire. So. They've got him essentially for one year at a big number. Uh, but there is talent there. There is talent. And I, ironically, it's the defense they have to improve, not, not the offense. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Also, um, Kwesi, uh, their new general manager, is, is, is non-traditional in the sense that he comes out of the, a business background. And, and although not immediately, he's been in the National Football League for about seven or eight years, maybe more. Um, and, and, and certainly an analytics background. So we'll see, we'll see how, we'll see how that works out. So a little bit of a experimental voyage here, uh, less so with Kevin and Kwesi, but, uh, we'll see how it works out. It'll be but, interesting. But talent, I mean, they've got two good receivers and a really good running back. Yeah, they do. The running backs got a little wear on the tire now yeah. and doesn't play 16 anymore, but, uh, uh, still, still pretty good. Uh, moving on to the Giants, um, Brian Dable uh, takes over. 
He was the coordinator in Buffalo. Spent a lot of time in New England coaching different positions. So he's had a wide breadth of of, uh, of experience. Worked with Nick Saban at Alabama. Um, comes with a you know untouchable pedigree, so to speak, and did a great job with the offense in Buffalo, where he was the play caller for the last three years. Um, I know him quite well. Uh, went to the same high schools and played with with, with my sons. Um, really a, a, a down-to-earth, straight shooter, solid guy uh, with a lot of common sense. Um, so I think it'll be, for the Giants, a happier ship, a more focused ship, uh, not a guy who's learning how to coach on the fly. Um, but the problems remain the same. Um, they've got to make something of the quarterback, and I think Brian can do that. Um, they also have to fix the offensive line, and and that's gonna that's important, you know. Unless you get that done, the quarterback won't thrive, and the running back won't thrive, and uh, and you know the receiving core is is okay, not not certainly not what he had in Buffalo, but that's why they are where they are. So this is a rebuild in many ways, um, but. Um, he's capable of, of handling it. And he could uh, be in quarterback purgatory, though, if Daniel Jones isn't the guy. He could, yeah, absolutely. He could. I mean, that yeah. seems like this could be like a great coach coming into a really tough spot because if they realize Jones isn't the guy year one, here we go. Yeah, now you're back right. into, yeah. into the quarterback market. Yep. So then you have but, the you have the battle between the Maras being the Maras and knowing what right the right way to do things versus the hullabaloo of the press and the fans and the incredible pressure of New York. I mean, that's a, that's not an easy place. No. Um, and, 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 the, and, the, and the coach that's that preceded Brian succumbed to it really yeah. when it's all said and done, actually two guys succumbed to it. Yeah. Um, but Brian's level-headed and, and I think pretty street smart and having grown up in Western New York. And uh, I think, He'll handle that fine, uh, and, and if you yeah. if you get past that hurdle, um, obviously you got to win. But if you can get past that hurdle, yeah, uh, you've taken a step in, in in the right direction. Yeah, um, it's keep in mind, uh, and this is true of Philadelphia and uh, maybe a couple other places, but Philadelphia and New York principally, um, the noise. Is, is generated by outside factors. Now, it's so noisy and so divisive that it does seep into the locker room. And Bill Parcells, who worked in those environments for both the Giants and Jets, told me and has told many others that the head coach's job in that kind of an environment is to come into the building every day and talk to the team every day and knock down the crap that they've heard uh, you know, and read Overnight, I I used to tell our players, don't listen to the radio under any circumstances. Don't read the newspaper and tell your loved ones to do the same. And now you have to say, stay off Twitter as well. Right. Which is now is almost impossible to not. Which is almost impossible. So ergo Bill Parcells advice, which is to say, make sure that as the head coach, you know, what the rabble out there are saying and 
A, and B, uh, the rabble in the media, not, not the fans. Uh, and, and B, you focus the players on what's really important and what's really true every day. Tony Dungy used to call it perception and reality. And he would do every week for our team the perception and reality show with clips and things like that that would show them this is what we're really playing against here, not this, this tremendous juggernaut that's unbeatable with all these players who are headed right to the Hall of Fame, you know, which is what you'd hear every week from, from uh, uh, the media. It's interesting. I'm a Hall of Fame elector, and um, we were talking about a player who had played with a team that was in our division. And, uh, and so the person who was presenting him, who was from that, that, that area, said, you know, this guy was really great. He never really had a good quarterback with him. And I was tempted to say, gee, all I ever read about was how great your quarterback was during the time he was playing. Right. And stories that you wrote. <laughs> <laughs> but that shows you the way, the way things work. So as a head coach in New York and in Philadelphia, you have to knock that down. The other thing, management management particularly and joe shane will, will is a little bit new with this but he's been he's been through it in buffalo so he understands what it's like buffalo when things don't go well is not a great mark yeah um and particularly in terms of media but you gotta help the head coach and and make it clear to him that he doesn't have to win the press conference right. he just doesn't have to create world war three Right. You don't want to go on a 12-minute rant about nonsense. No. No. Don't give them anything. Exactly. No. We tell the players, don't give the opponents gifts. Yep. In New York and Philadelphia, by and large, the media is the are, are the opponents. Exactly. So don't give them any gifts. He had some good mentor. Uh, Ask the question, we play Cincinnati next week. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. The, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. On to Cincinnati. That's on exactly Cincinnati. right. If you want to know how to do things and win, not to win friends and influence people, yeah. just watch New England. Exactly. Let's watch New England. And what what is otherwise it could be otherwise an out of control media. Yes. Yes. But but you know, Bill has done such a great job of of of, of focusing on what's important and focusing the team on what's important that they've been able to overcome that. But you know, someone said to me the other day, well, Nick Sirianni doesn't have the greatest diction and syntax in the world. And my answer was, who cares? <laughs> it's not important. What is what diction I, what and syntax I would have is. said back to the guy, can you define the difference between diction and syntax for me? And I bet you he couldn't. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't matter what he's like in front of the press. As long as as long as he doesn't create World War Three, and 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 cause problems and pick fights, then he's, he's what he does in front of the team is, is, is far more important than, 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 um, than what he does mm -hmm. in front of the media. Jim Caldwell is a prime example. If you just listen to Jim Caldwell's press conferences or Lovey Smith's, by the way, I used to kid Lovey. I, I said, Lovey, you're my hero. <laughs> you can go out there three times a week, tell them nothing and smile. And, yeah. and, and he, he was great at it, phenomenal. Yeah. And that, that's the way Jim was. Right. He was a totally different person in front of the team. But a lot of people who've never seen Jim in front of the team don't know that. Yeah. 
that's the the Belichick with a smile way to go, right? Just sort of yeah, the scowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Brian, I think we'll we'll handle that fine. But it's a it's a it's a high it's a high bar. I mean, it's a tough it's it's tough to win the National Football League. Period. In certain markets, it's really hard. And this is a this is a tough job. Just because what are the Giants? You know what I mean? Well, I, I think I think ownership knows what they are. I think they they, okay. they, they know what, what they are. They, you know, you got to clean up the offensive line first and foremost, just like Chicago. That's the first thing you got to do. Um, in 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 uh, in Denver, you got Nathaniel Hackett, who is the uh, almost the polar opposite of Brian Dable, even though they're both uh, offensive coordinators and quarterback coaches as personality. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett is a is a uh, upbeat, positive, attractive, interesting, um, incandescent personality. Mister mm-hmm. Optimism. Right. The glass is always half full, and he's had a world of experience outside football. He's a brilliant person, uh, pre med student at Cal Davis, and a, and a terrific. Um, developer of quarterbacks and a terrific uh, guy who relates with players. His job, as he sees, he sees it is regardless of talent to make the player as good as he can make him, and he's going to do that always by accentuating the positive. How well that will translate to the defensive side of the ball in, in a team that has been heavily defensive oriented for the for a long while uh, remains to be seen and. And whether or not he has a quarterback certainly remains to be seen. But he's uh, he's a uh, incandescent personality, and I mean that in a good way. And I'm sure it's it'll be fun to play for him. They'll reflect his personality. You know that a team is playing well when they reflect the head coach's personality. It doesn't. It's not always the case, but um, you know whether a team is playing well. And the coach is getting his message across when the team reflects his personality. And you hear them repeating the things that he has told them. Then you know that the message is getting across. I always tell this story about Coach Levy. He had these these commandments that he he followed, uh, uh, aphorisms, one being don't be dumb and don't be dirty. We're on a practice field one day. couple of scout team guys get in a fight with some of the offensive guys and uh, coach Levy aboard fighting and Shane Conlon and, 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 and another linebacker were, were kneeling side by side, watching it go on. And as soon as the scuffle broke out, they jumped up in, in unison, yelled out, don't be dumb and don't be dirty. Yeah. You know, it's working. Yeah. And I said to coach Levy after practice, I know you didn't hear this, but I did. I was standing right there. It's getting through. The message is getting through. And, and so that's that's when you know what a head right. coach is. And especially to the right guys like that, the guys that matter. Yeah. 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 And the Bears uh, hired Matt Eberflus. Uh, many of these we can cover. If we have time, we can touch on general managers. But if we don't, we can do it in another show. Uh, Matt uh is it was the defensive coordinator of, of the Colts did a great job there, had the number one defense in the league, number one in turnovers, et cetera. Um, same system, uh, the Tony Dungy system, same system Lovey uses. 
Um, interestingly, you'll have two uh, essentially Tampa two um, teams in, in 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 the same division. Um, Matt's done a lot to uh, to uh, improve and 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 add on to the secondary coverages. So you got some pretty interesting blitz packages. You got some interesting um, coverage uh, packages. So it, it's it, it's evolved. Um, he's a no nonsense, uh, straightforward. Do it by the book. Be on time. Don't be dumb. Don't be dirty. All of the all of the uh, the things that are important. Take care of little things. The big things take care of themselves. All the all the things that that go into building a sound and winning program. This will be a big transition year in, in Chicago because. They'll be transitioning from a 3-4 to uh, a, an aggressive upfield attacking speed 4-3. Uh, it's back to the future for them because Lovey, when Lovey was the head coach, they used this defense and made the Super Bowl, played our Indianapolis team. Um, and uh, so it'll be a big transition on, on defense personnel-wise. Offensively, they got to rebuild the offensive line. Um, he brought in Matt Getze as the uh, – uh, as the Luke Getze, excuse me, as the offensive coordinator. So it'll be the Green Bay system, which will be um, heavily focused on the run uh, initially, which is a good thing, both in that division and, and with Chicago's personnel. One of the few a group personnel groupings where they're strong is at running back. Um, and, and of course, in Justin Fields, a rookie quarterback who was not ready to play, and it showed, had a, a rough year. But he's a good kid and smart and, and, and by all accounts, a really good worker. So I think they'll, they'll get him headed in the right direction. But this will be a big transition year for the Bears. But Flus is, uh, is uh, old school meat and potatoes, um, solid football guy. And, uh, you know, fit, will fit perfectly with, with, with the, the Bears DNA. And it could be a weird – I mean, if if Aaron leaves Green Bay, this could be a very weird year in the NFC North. Yeah, it could. Absolutely, it could. But, you know, you got you got Detroit. They're going to be a similarly, I think, a, a, a blue-collar team because uh, they really don't have a great quarterback. And uh, if Aaron leaves, uh, who knows what Green Bay will be like. Uh, but you're going to have to be athletic to chase around love if that's who it is. And uh, and then of course um, in Minnesota they'll be transitioning. I would suspect from Cousins a year from now. So we'll see how we'll see how that one works out. So it, it is a, an interesting year, but this is very definitely a changeover year. I wouldn't say rebuilding, but it's a changeover year for the for the Bears in, in almost every respect. No, a hundred percent. Well. That was our interesting breakdown of coaches who will turn into head coaches in 2022. This is an interesting one. Thank you very much, Bill, for uh, your expertise on it as, as you were intimate in the process this year. Yeah, it was fun. I learned a lot. Thank you. Well, served in our audience today. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next week. See you guys.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.